Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. How you doing? Put some fruit juice in there. Excellent. <laughs> Chuck, you were smelling your hand a little bit ago. What's wrong with you? I was just, uh, I smell like my wife's handmade artisan soap. Yeah, yeah. Yes, she's having a grand opening. Loveyourmama.com's now going to have a brick-and-mortar store, right? Yeah, very proud of her. And you and Jerry are coming to the grand opening uh, tomorrow yeah. and uh, I have some to wine. Admit, yeah, I'm looking forward to the rosemary garlic chicken wings. Yes. Uh, Chef Charles is going to be making They those. are delicious. I'll uh, report back to all of you SYSK listeners on just whether or not they are delicious. I wouldn't take Chuck's word for it. Just okay. Um, so, Chuck, you know what we're talking about today? Yes. Actually, let me throw this out. This is totally unrelated, um, and it's uh, just too interesting to not mention. Okay. I was talking to Ben Bolin, evil, mad creator of stuff they don't want you to know. Soon to be released, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. Uh, and he was telling me he just found out that the average house price in Detroit right now, mm-hmm. $11,500. Really? Yeah. And you just, this has nothing to do with what we're doing. You just no, to but say that. I just, can you, that boggles the mind. Yeah, that's really cheap. So anyway, after this, we're moving to Detroit. Okay. Okay. Uh, instead of Detroit housing prices, we are actually talking about geocaching, right? Yes. And I want to go ahead and say that this has been oft requested by many, many people, geocachers, I guess. And uh, I just want to apologize and say I didn't save all your names, especially... The dude last week, I had a guy that we emailed back and forth like three or four times in mm-hmm. a few hours, and he was actually geocaching while he was writing me and listening to our podcast on his iPhone while he was geocaching. That guy gets things done. So he, I kind of feel whenever someone says they listen to us in India when they went on their trip or when they did this, I always feel like we're kind of brought along and I always thank people for bringing us along. Sure, yeah. Instead, we're actually stuck here in the studio. Apparently, we also cure homesickness. We've gotten several emails. and uh, From Atlantans? Yes. And um, I've heard firsthand stories about people who were sitting in airports in India um, who would who were, who was just totally homesick and just listened to our podcast and was cured. That's nice. Or comforted, at least. All right. Geocaching? Yeah? Yeah. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Let me give you a little background info, Chuck. Okay. Um, actually, geocaching can be traced directly back to Korean Airlines Flight 007. Really? In 1983, this commercial airline, mm-hmm. um, or this commercial plane, was flying, uh, I guess, in Asia and traipsed into, inadvertently traipsed into Soviet airspace and was shot down. By the Soviets. Yeah, I remember that. So uh, as a result, President Reagan said, okay, we've got this kind of GPS system that the Air Force has been using for a while, uh-huh. but we need to make this commercially available so that this doesn't happen again. Really? So they did. Reagan he, started that whole thing. Reagan did. It was uh, Well, it was already in effect, but he made sure that this program really went to town. Right. Um, so they started launching more and more satellites. Uh, for global positioning systems, right, right, uh, and they uh, eventually it, it became available to the public, right, uh, to airlines, to whoever wanted it, sure. But there was a little glitch, a purposeful glitch in the system. I did not know about this until I read up on this. 
Right. So that's kind of surprised. Selective availability. Yeah. Basically, they um, they intentionally made the GPS systems available to the public um, off base by a little bit. By about 300 feet. 300 feet, because they wanted the military, the U.S. military, to have the, the most advanced system to mm-hmm. pinpoint a location. And they wanted to get, a, you know, your average Joe just in the general area. Right. And so if you're a Korean pilot, you, you give yourself a 300-foot buffer when you're flying along, you know, Soviet airspace. Easy enough. Right. But if you, you know, are the manufacturer of a onboard GPS system for right. a car, you don't want your customers going, you know, Tom, Tom, you're a stupid like every time you ask a uh, uh, for directions, right? Right. So there was a certain limitation by that 300 feet because, sure. you know, turn right 300 feet ago. Right. It's not, not very helpful. But President Clinton comes along and sees the value of GPS. I like this stuff. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what he said. And he liked it enough so that he issued an executive order saying we need to get selective availability offline within 10 years. That was 1996. Right. It was supposed to be... 206, but lucky happened, for us, it happened a lot, six years sooner. Right. So now everybody thinks Tom Tom's as smart as he can be. And this hobby comes about almost immediately. Because you could pinpoint location, uh, Strickland says he wrote this article, between six and 20 feet. Not bad. Right. So, so this whole um, wealth of handheld GPS devices hit the market. Right. And right off the bat, a guy named Dave Ulmer uh-huh. decides to test how well, his works. I don't know what model he had. Yeah, by hiding uh, an item and going and marking its location, then leaving and coming back and see if it could redirect him back there. Right. And Just so as a test. He left a little little box uh, and went on a, a website of his and um, said, Here is a bo- here's a box. Here's the coordinates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he wrote very famously, take some stuff, leave some stuff. He put a couple yeah. of trinkets in there. That's really what started the whole thing. And not only did it start it, it's pretty much the same way nine years later like this yeah. initial geocache hunt that mm-hmm. he he created uh it, it it immediately created the model that people follow right. today well it's a good model if it ain't broke you know it's a pretty basic simple thing it's fun i just realized we haven't actually said what geocaching is right yeah we should probably get to yes that. geocaching is when you use your gps to uh it's basically like a uh a treasure hunt people will leave these caches um you know, hidden in a location and you and with the coordinates and you get from a website, let's say, and then you go and try and find it and they have little trinkets in there you can take. Then you leave your own little trinket and it's just like a big treasure hunt that anyone can participate in. Sure. Anybody who has access to the Internet. Sure. And a uh, GPS. GPS receiver and very, very important, a topographical map. Yeah, that would help. Um, and actually, also Strick, I have to say, Jonathan Strickland, who is uh, one of our colleagues and co-hosts of Tech Stuff. Who you know from Necronomicon. Yeah, yeah, that came out, didn't mm-hmm. it? Um, he he makes an excellent point. You want to make sure that the map that you are using was made after 1984. And the reason being is, in that year, we switched over the type of data right. that's used to create maps or to position people. So there, the World Geodetic System of 1984 was the new convention for creating positioning, creating right. maps that's used for GPS, all that stuff. It took, uh, it replaced the North American uh, datum system. Of 1927. Yes. So if you have a, a map that was made between 1927 and, what, 1983, right your topographical, exactly, the <laughs> year before, 
Man, that was a monumental year. It was. Um, your your map and your your GPS receiver aren't going to match, and you can run into some problems. True, because your GPS receiver might just say you're getting warmer. Go in this direction. It may have a compass. If you don't have one that you can upload maps onto, right, then or with a you're not going to know that you're about to fall off a cliff or something because right. you're staring at your your sure. receiver, right? So your little topo map and your compass will let you know, hey, there's a river crossing, or like you said, cliff ahead, right, danger. So uh, Dave Ulmer uh, hid the first geocache, mm-hmm. and a guy named Mike Teague was the first to find it. Actually, surprisingly, there it's almost like this this hobby, this um pastime or uh-huh. i don't know what you'd refer to it it's as a game okay a sport sure i don't know about sport well there's hiking involved a lot of times i don't know about sport okay but so omer hides this and within i think three days two people found it and yet two people independently of each other right so it was Pretty simmering cool. right on the surface oh, the yeah. geocaching was just waiting to happen there was a market for it all right so they called it gps stash hunt at the beginning now which is a little clumsy compared to geocaching. Yeah, and everyone else, well, not everyone, but someone at some point suggested, uh, who's it, Matt Stum? Yeah, he was the one who came up with the, sure. coining the phrase or the term. It's catchy. It's cachy. It's catchy. <laughs> it's cachy. Uh, so you've got your GPS receiver. You've got your topographical Check. map. Check. I assume you're probably wearing woolly socks. Check. Um, what else What else do you need? Well, uh, they, they advise to take things like flashlight and uh, bug spray, sunblock, um, hiking boots, water, that kind of thing, extra batteries. We should say all this is to assume that you actually want to go on a geocache hunt. Sure. Right. And you're not just sitting around your house listening to it. Uh, we should also say there's several websites dedicated to this hobby, and that's where you want to go to start finding out locations for a cache, right? Um, there'll be links or else there'll be a, 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 a list Right. Of different caches, their coordinates. Geocaching.com is, is a, the main one, I think. Yeah. I think and, that's and you want to, unless you're just really adventurous, you probably want to pick something sort of close to you yeah. on your first try, at least. Right. To kind of break your uh, caching hobby in. Right. And some people hide their caches, as uh, Strickland put it, uh, with um, uh, sadistic glee. Yeah, there seems to be, that seems to be part of it is. Uh, because it's no fun if it's just sitting right there in the middle of the trailhead. Well, not only that, probably some schmo who doesn't know what's going on sure. will be like, oh, look, uh, something, I don't know what this is. Right. Well, that leads us to a, an important point. When If you are stashing a cache, a cache, why do I have such a problem with that? My yeah, wife's going to make fun of me. That's the least of your problems. <laughs> no. Emily's going to make fun of me because I do mess up that word a lot. And right. she, she thinks I'm an idiot. Um, so, like, if your average hiker uh, happens upon this box full of... Uh, Santana CDs, <laughs> and they're thinking, wow, I can just take these CDs. Someone left these. This is awesome. Yeah, or or drugs. No, no. No, no. That's one of the things that you are not supposed to put in these uh, caches. How come? Caches. <laughs> because uh, it's a it's a family-friendly uh, activity, and they don't, they don't want to sully it with uh, the likes of illegal drugs and such. Sure. What about Keep alcohol? It Keep it clean. No, 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 no. no. Okay. So, so Santana CDs is pretty much what you're going to find in a geocache. No, well, they did. He did say CDs and DVDs, or you know, handmade trinkets that you don't want it to be too expensive because you don't want to like sink a lot of money into it. But uh, whatever you, you sh- if you take something, you should leave something. You don't have to take something, but if the, I think he said if you don't take anything or leave anything, you should write in the logbook that's contained inside the cache. T N L N. Yeah, took 
took nothing or left nothing, took nothing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that you're going to find in any geocache, and Chuck, you were saying like you should put an explanation and maybe a note. Uh, Strickland also recommended actually labeling it. Like right. this is a geocache. Here's my email or here's my phone number. Uh, because I don't know if you said or not, you don't want to cause a panic. Well, so, no, I didn't mention that. Some it's people valid. geocache in cities. Sure. And actually, um, and I, in New Hampshire, I can't remember what town it was, um, a, a geocache that was hidden in a supermarket caused a panic. Yeah, Portsmouth. You know, post 9-11, people see little metal boxes someplace it shouldn't right. be. They're going to be like, well, there's a bomb. Yeah, stuck to the underside of like an escalator rail. <laughs> sure, yeah, exactly. Especially if it blinks or something and like some that. And ner- some nerd is like, what a great hiding spot. <laughs> meep, meep. And then all of a sudden the cops are, you know, tackling him. Yeah. Um, Chuck, as I was saying, the one thing that you're going to find in any geocache is um, a logbook. Very important. Yeah. Because you want to, it's sort of like a wedding uh, thing that you sign when you go to a wedding. You want to say that you were any, here. Any kind of guest book. Wedding, funeral, sure. bed and breakfast. Yeah. You want to add your notes, like what you found or what your experience was. This was cool. They, some of them have uh, disposable cameras in them. And what you're supposed to do there is take a picture of yourself and put the camera back in there. Right. Uh, and some people actually like to um, see if they can get, based on that whole um, taking something and leaving something, they like to see if they can get their uh, trinkets across country. So yes, Josh. That is uh, what's that called? A hitchhiker cache. Right. And uh, if if you there are instructions on how to get this thing across country, the geocachers take great pride in playing along and trying to get the Santana CD from Atlanta to Los Angeles. Let's say. Right. And some people also have uh, coins made with uh, some sort of ID on it. They're called geo coins. Yeah. It's a type of hit- hitchhiker cache. Right. Um, and it's, uh, basically you find the coin, you took it, you took, you put it somewhere else and you're leaving, you're posting these on site so somebody can go on and see that their coins made it from, you know, Topeka to Colorado Springs so far. And they're like, oh, it's getting close. Right. Yeah. I I think I'd love the spirit of this whole thing. I think it's really neat. I'm going to try this actually. I've never done it. Santana heavy, drug free, traveling spirit of geocaching. Does not get any better. Captures your imagination, doesn't it? Uh, yes, it does. We should also say that if you're going to plant and start your own little geocache uh, game, that you want to stay away from private land, first of all. Yeah, there's actually a th- – th- some public officials are aware of geocaching and not everybody's hip with it. Right. Uh, technically, um, the entire state of New Hampshire is one example. Well, they're, they're threatening actually- to outlaw it, correct? Yeah, and uh, I know national parks, it's not allowed. Um, some state parks, it is allowed. But they say the whole spirit of this thing is to uh, be respectful of the environment, um, not cause a mess, not damage anything. And it's really important to geocachers to that they're looked at in a favorable light. Yeah, they want to be looked at as cooperative yeah. and helpful. Um, so basically, if you're hiding a geocache, you want to kind of pull your head out of the game and actually really kind of look around. Right. Not just look for a hiding place, but look at the impact that geocachers who come to look for your sure. cache are going to have on this area. So, you know, you don't want to put it in a in place. The of the flower bed. Said, That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, historic and archaeological sites, you don't want to place those there. Yeah, not good. Um, just basically anywhere where a lot of people tramping, I, I guess it's probably smart to assume that there's going to be a lot of hunters looking for it. Um that they're not going to really have a terrible impact on this area. Right. I would put one in a tree stand, a deer hunting tree stand, and see what that did for you. Yeah. 
in the middle of deer season. Sure. Smart. Not a good idea. So, Chuck, is it true or not that you will be murdered if you remove a cache? Not true, but not cool. What about a spanking? You might get spanked. Yeah. The te- that initial guy who started it, he might he might track you down and geo spank you. But conversely, also you want to uh, maintain your cache, right? Like if if you get a couple of yeah. uh, logs of people saying I I couldn't find this thing no matter what, that's a bad sign. Yeah, it means you should go out and look at your cache. Yeah, you want to be clever about where you hide it, not too clever. Or somebody may have you know walked off with it. You want to also keep an eye on your logbook because yeah. if that gets filled up, you want to replace it with another one. You want to bag it. You want to bag everything. In a bag zip, it and tag it. Ziploc so it doesn't get uh, rained on. You want to double bag the, the log book. Absolutely. And leave it backed. Leave a pen and a pencil just in case uh, these guys and gals don't bring theirs along because the log book is the most important part. Actually, this the second, well, I'd say it's a tie. The other most important part is that you log the stuff on the website as well when you get home. Right. So everyone else knows what's going on. Yeah. And the game continues. It does, and this podcast continues, Chuck, because there's actually variations on geocaching. This I thought was really cool. There's, you know, the straight-up geocache, which we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, there's also multi-caches. Love it. Which are basically, there's a series of caches which uh, are related to one another. So you go to one cache, and inside, instead of Santana CDs or, you know, Dare to Keep Kids Off Drug stickers, right. um, there are... Uh, coordinates to another one, and that's, you just that's go right and go alley. and go. Yeah. That's like a real treasure hunt. Yes, it is. Minus the treasure, of course. Yeah. Well, it depends on how many Santana yeah. CDs you can Plus, pull. they say the treasure is, is in the experience itself. It's not so much about the trinkets. It, like I said, in the spirit of goodness and giving, I see that you're uh, put out by that. You want some money or something. There's also uh, letter bro- the letterbox hybrid. Yeah, explain that. So that's kind of like a combination between uh, straight-up geocaching and uh, a type of treasure hunting, which is letterboxing. So it's it's like a multi-cache, right. but you have to solve uh, puzzles or figure out hints or clues right. to the location along with these coordinates. Yeah, which sounds like fun. And the coordinate may be a, uh, a starting point, or is that a mystery cache that I'm thinking of? Yes, that is a uh, mystery cache. If I'm not mistaken. Well, it was pretty close to the letterbox hybrid, frankly. Yeah. And then there's a virtual cache, which I, I think kind of stinks because there's no loot involved. That's just the location that <laughs> I exists. I thought you were in, in, in it for the spirit of caching. Well, for the spirit of that and uh, Okoyoma. <laughs> <laughs> right. Some that Santana. free Santana CD? Yeah, yeah. I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. Santana CD? Yeah. Sweet. And Josh, you you mentioned hints and uh, and for the puzzle. That's not limited to just the uh, letterbox or the mystery cache. It's a lot of times you'll you'll want to include little hints on your uh, website to 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 get people there. Gotcha. It's like not only coordinates. Yeah. So Chuck, if somebody wants to go ahead and get into this, where do you start? Uh, well, I guess you would want to pick out a location, uh, a general location, and like we said, since you have to manage your your little stash here. <laughs> then you want to have it kind of close by so it's uh, manageable and easy to get to. You don't want to have to manage something that you have to scale uh, like a 50-foot wall to get to, unless you're that dude. Then, that not, is, then knock yourself out. That's right, Chuck. But also you want to start by buying the GPS receiver, right? That's a good place to and start. And you don't want to just say, hey, I bought my GPS receiver. I'm going to start geocaching. You want to test it out a little bit first. And how do you do that, big boy? Well, I guess you would go to a spot 
Uh-huh. Uh, ping where you are. Right. I don't know if it's called pinging or what. We're, we're going to call it ping. Ping where you are and then leave and then see if you can get back there using the uh, GPS, right? Yeah. That's pretty easy. I'd probably do it more than once, too, with a couple different locations. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, but once you get started, then you can start a few hunts, maybe hide your own, meet some cool people. Yeah. Spend a bunch of money on disposable cameras. Santana CDs. Yeah, it's wide open. Uh, we need. I guess we need to cover the lingo real quick, too. All right. So if you're out there and you see these letters, like if you're a texter, you don't know what LOL means, you'd be mighty confused if everyone keeps saying lol to you. Yeah. So uh, C-I-T-O means uh, cash in, trash out, and that's one of the uh, tenets is that you should, kind of like a hiker's, take only uh, pictures, leave only footprints mm-hmm. mantra. So you should like pick up trash along the way and take it with you. Gotcha. That's one. You want to name another one or you want me to do all these? Well, I already talked about uh, TNF, TNLN. Okay. Took nothing, leave nothing. There's FTF, which is a big one. That's first to find. And if you're the first one to uh, to find the stash, that's pretty cool. Uh, I can tell you uh, a name for us. Geomuggles. Yes. I know. P- just people who don't geocache. Yeah. So I'd say like 99.9999999997% of the global population are geomuggles. Geomuggles. Yeah. Uh, true. And a spoiler, um, just like you would uh, suppose, is a comment that reveals the location on like a website or something. Yeah. And who would want to do that? So a, ge- like, a geomuggle would do that. Like any good underground... Uh, hobby. It has its lingo. It has its websites. Sure. But like you were saying, it's family friendly and, um, there's just kind of a cool spirit to it. And it's, uh, it struck me as very open. Yeah. I think geocaching is one of the more friendly, um, hobbies around. Yeah. Anytime you start a community like this, like the, uh, the hash runs that people do, it's cool. You know, it's something that, that people can take part in and it's, it's a lot of fun. Gotcha. Uh, I guess we, can we mention Philadelphia real quick? Sure. They actually have embraced it big time. Um, in the spring of 07, they uh, they had a little thing where they wanted to promote a little promotional deal, the Franklin Institute's King Tut display, and they actually had a geocaching uh, game yeah. that they presented to the public where you'll go to 12 different sites uh, related to the exhibit, and um, each site had a stamp, and you collected these stamps, and once you've collected all of them, then you get a prize at the end, which, from what I understand... Was a Santana CD, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and a ticket to the King Tut exhibit. Nice. So, Chuck, is that it? That is it. And if you want to know uh, more about geocaching, I got to tell you, Strickland wrote the definitive article on this. He used the geek god tone, where it was like no drugs. Sure. You know, I mean, it, it, he just he did it. He knocked it out of the park. He did. So if you want to learn more about geocaching, I would strongly urge you to, even before you go buy your GPS receiver, read Jonathan Strickland's article on geocaching. It's a good start. And also uh, Marshall Brain, founder of the site, and Tom Harris, one of our freelance writers, um, wrote how GPS works. Really good overview of, uh-huh. of how global positioning works uh-huh. um those are two good articles you can find them both by typing in gps into the handy search bar at howstuffworks.com and chuck before we do listener mail let's uh plug what are we plugging let's plug the webcast and um the blogs okay every wednesday afternoon 1 p.m eastern standard time uh josh and i do a little webcast it's live a, it's a live video, video webcast <laughs> just so there's no mistaking it and it's more newsy and we cover uh current events and interesting topics from around the world and um it's fun we, we we've been getting some it is fun lately. it's got to be fun i stop um 
feeling the urge to vomit right before it every time. You're days. solid, bro. It's good. So are you, buddy. Thanks. Uh, and then we also have a blog, Stuff You Should Know blog, very mm-hmm. much in the spirit of Stuff You Should Know. We pretty much write about whatever strikes our fancy. Which is nice. Yeah, you wrote about a gun-toting uh, town hall meeting uh, attendee recently. Yeah, and some good debate on that one, which I figured. Yeah. It was it, nice. I wrote about uh, Gary Warren, the founder of Suicide Club, so... Those are just a couple that of was examples. Thanks, bud. Yeah. Uh, so that's PlugFest 09, uh, which means it's time for a listener mail. Yes. Uh, before we, again, do listener mail, our producer Jerry had a special request because we referred to uh, the great Ira Glass as our arch nemesis in a few podcasts ago. I remember. Which uh, we got some response. People are like, what's going on, guys? We love Ira Glass. We figured y'all would be fans, too. We do love Ira Glass. Oh, we're big time fans. And we love This American Life, and there is a... A friendly ratings war that they consistently win, <laughs> and uh, so that's why we call them our arch nemesis. But there's there's nothing but love. Sure. And Ira Glass, if you know we exist, we love you. Thank you for inspiring us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, what else you got, Chuck? I got listener mail. Okay. All right, Josh. Listener mail time. We have uh, a couple of quickies here. Uh, I'm gonna call this one. Uh, sarcopenia um, proven. So uh, we had a guy right in, said he's uh, been listening for a while now, and he wants to say that we're great. Um, he is a gym dude, and he was listening to the podcast at the gym, and it struck a chord with me. About six months ago, a little fragile, hunched-over lady started showing up at the gym. I probably would not have taken much notice, but she was toting around a portable oxygen tank. Holy cow. Which gave me a deep respect for her tenacity. And a water bottle with a very large straw protruding from it. Uh, she shows up on a regular basis and puts everyone else to shame and works hard with the trainer. Since that time, she has become the poster child for reversing the aging process. Sweet. First, she dropped the oxygen tank, completely gone. Wow. Then she lost her hunch in her back and is walking upright again. That's awesome. Uh, she still has the water bottle with the straw, which has become the only way for me to identify her because she looks so much younger. Uh, thanks for helping me understand exactly how this went down. And that is from Jason. Booyah. Pretty cool. Yeah. And then another quickie. This is from our buddy Danielle in uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Danielle and I are pen pals, and she loves that we mention Eau Claire and Sheboygan and places like that. So she she sent us a list of other Wisconsin cities that she bets we cannot pronounce. So All right. I'm just going to put that here. Okay. And I'm going to go ahead and say the first one is Okanamakawakaok. I, th- <laughs> I think you're way off. All right. You go next. Uh, Wawatosa. That was pretty easy. Uh, the next up. one is Alta Alta Gemayi. <laughs> you sound Cambodian. <laughs> I do. Uh, I'm going to try Trimpolo. Trimpolo. God, I get the easy ones. All right, the next one is. <laughs> that was not easy. K- Kiwani Kiwani E. Yeah, that's not that's not easy at all. All right. Uh, Wakisha. And finally, we have uh, Yao Yeah. So and these- then the last one is Double Dash Danielle. Yeah, Danielle. That's a weird city name. That's the pen pal. So yeah. Danielle, take that. Yeah. Perfect pronunciation all the way all the way down the list. Yeah. In your face, Danielle and Sarcopania. If you want to correspond with Chuck or I, Chuck's actually really good at uh, responding to listener mail. Um, and he's made some pretty good friends along the way. So if you want to be Chuck's friend, send an email <laughs> to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? 
check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?